Good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to see you all here, and certainly welcome to those of you who are, are tuning in online. It's uh, certainly good to be together uh, in this way this morning. We're currently uh, in a brief series that is entitled Redeem, Restored, uh, Forgiven, in which we're looking at a number of encounters and dealings that Jesus had uh, with individual uh, men and women. And, and really, these encounters are like uh, windows into what it was like to see and, 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 and speak with Jesus during the time of his earthly ministry. The gospel accounts, they draw us right into the scene. Uh, they, they give us a front row seat, uh, up close as it were, and we, as we see uh, how Jesus eagerly went about the work that he was sent to do. Where he went about the work that he announced uh, in the synagogue in Nazareth when he said he came to proclaim good news to the poor, uh, bring freedom to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, uh, release to the oppressed, and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. And yet even more, these encounters serve as a window into the heart of Jesus. And when we see the heart of Jesus, we're really seeing the heart of God. And when we see his heart toward these individuals, it's really revealing something of his heart toward us and how he deals with us. And so these encounters, they really are rich spiritual food for us. And we're only going to be biting off four verses today, the first four verses of, of Matthew uh, chapter 8. It's a, it's a short story, but it's enough for us to grasp hold of and receive a great deal from. Uh, it's, a, it's a particularly vivid encounter that Jesus had directly after the Sermon on the Mount as he confronts the dreadful sight of a man uh, stricken with leprosy. So Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the recorded scriptures that bring not only the teachings of Jesus to us, but we see his life. We see the ways of Jesus and we see the heart of Jesus. And we pray that in these few verses of your word that your spirit would so attend our time this morning that it would be truly God speaking to us, that we would hear you speak your word into our lives, that you would bring about change and transformation that alone you can do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, here we see, again, in these verses, something uh, of the heart of Jesus on display, as well as we see something of how we, as ordinary human beings, ought to approach him. And there are some key things we see here in this man. The first of them is actually his humble desperation. His humble desperation. You see, this man is a leper. 
and that we have a, a modern a disease, what we call leprosy, which may or may not be linked with the Bible's category of leper and leprosy. We, we can't be sure if it's the, the same as the modern Hansen's disease, as it's properly called. But whatever it was in the Bible, to have leprosy was to be ravaged in body through and through. It was to experience a living death. But perhaps more dreadful than the disease itself were the social and religious implications of being a leper. It came with enormous stigma attached. It, it came with enormous social shame. A, a, a leper was banished from all human contact, removed from family and workplace, uh, removed from synagogue and marketplace, cast outside the city and society to live in, off in the shadows. But it also came with e enormous spiritual meaning. This man would have been seen as unclean. And the law of Moses in, in the book of Leviticus was very clear and prescriptive about how people who were diagnosed as having a leprous condition uh, must not come into contact with the holiest places and with the holiest people, the priests themselves. There was this, to be this great separation between the leper and the holiest places in Israel, the tabernacle and the temple. The place where God dwelt, that, that special holy place where, that was, where there was only purity, where there was only life, where there was only holiness. And so anything unclean was, it was just, it was disastrous for it to come near. And so leprosy comes to be a, a kind of a symbol as much as anything else of the terrible brokenness of the fallen human condition. Our terrible need, our terrible uncleanness, our stainness, our sinfulness. And so this leper was someone whose condition was certainly, he would have been seen and understood to be unclean. But the worship of the living God was meant to be conducted in a place that was specially prepared, a holy sanctuary that you had to, you had to wear special clothes and go through special rituals and procedures before you could even go in. And only a few people could. And you might say, well, that sounds awful. How could that, how could that system have ever existed? You might be surprised to think of it, but we have exactly the same system now in a certain sense. There are places in this city where only a certain qualified few, a small group of people can go in. Having gone through careful cleansing processes and, and rituals and, and carefully dressing up procedures. They're called surgeries. They're, if you're like, the holiest place within the hospitals. They're, they're the pl place of utter cleanness and sterilization. And you can't just walk in because the stakes are too high. The dangers are too real. No, we, we keep this place clean and we're strict about it. You have to be qualified and you have to go through years of training and preparation and cleansing and special clothing. And it's very similar. It's very similar. The idea that the presence of God is so perfect, is so holy, 
and the unclean cannot enter. And by communicating this in Leviticus 13, God is saying something about all of our problem, the whole human condition, because leprosy was only, in a sense, a sort of biological version of something that's much more profound, a kind of spiritual leprosy that you and I are affected with as much as as this leper would be. It's just a a horrifying condition that exists within the human heart. You might say, oh, you're you're a bit over the top, Mr. Preacher. I'm I'm not leprous. But you are given to lustful thoughts. You are given to greed and selfishness. You are given to, the, to shrinking this whole world that God, 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 that God made, this whole life to just your personal self-agenda that you tend just to insist on, the passions and, and desires in your life, the things that you say are deal breakers, the things that are, are absolute non-negotiables in your life that no one's allowed to touch. My friend, the Bible would suggest that those drives, that selfishness, that way of living a life built around anything other than the God that we were made by and made for, that is spiritual leprosy. And it makes us unclean. It contaminates us. It contaminates others. And it puts us in a terrible place. It puts us outside a relationship with the God for which we were intended, what we were made for. So what this man is going through is is kind of a striking vivid picture of something that's actually a part of the whole human story. It's the problem that we all have. The difference, perhaps, is that this man, he's seen it. He he has understood himself. He has understood his need. He, He understands what matters, and so he does the unthinkable. He desperately and he humbly comes to Jesus. It says, behold, a a leper came to him. Now listen, if those words don't don't surprise you, it's because you're not putting yourself in their sandals. You're not thinking, wait a minute, here's a man who would have been obliged to, to shout the word unclean at the top of his voice wherever he went. His hair had to be unkempt and, 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 and he would wear he would be dressed strangely and covered over, and the whole crowd would have scattered in every direction in, in a mixture of fear and, and, and curiosity, a kind of uh, perverse interest w- w- with an inward horror at the sight of this man. The ancient writers uh, w- would say, don't go within 150 feet of a leper, and the people would have been scattering. A leper approaches Jesus. He has, he has the temerity to, to come, I mean, this is just, just after the Sermon on the Mount when the whole crowd is coming off the mountain. It's like they're, they're all pouring out of the stadium. They're all coming out of the, 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 the theater. The crowds are just milling around. And a leper has the audacity to approach the star, the, the main character. What's going on? How, how could he not be ashamed? Well, I guess he's learned to despise the shame. I guess he's learned what shame really is. He's learned what matters. 
He, he's learned what's really valuable because he's got nothing to lose. He's got, he, he's got to that point of, I just, I, I don't care. I just want this Jesus. I just want to speak to him. And I know everyone's staring and I know everyone's horrified and, and shocked. I know, I know I'm a walking disaster. But honestly, I just don't, I just don't care. I just want Jesus. You know, I think that's what you could actually say a Christian is. Have you got to that, that point? Have you reached the point of realizing that the shame the world puts on you is not that important? Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. We, we maybe need to learn this again and again because there are all kinds of values and false values and shames that are put on us. Things that, 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 that we get very concerned about. But if we are truly desperate for Jesus, it will help us to find a certain humility that pushes through the shame. It, it, it just doesn't care enough anymore. You see, when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law they wanted to speak to Jesus. They would do it a little bit differently. They would, you know, they would invite him to important dinner parties with important people. Or they would be like Nicodemus. They would come to him at nighttime when there was no one around. They, they would come at nighttime when it's just, I don't want to be seen with Jesus. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm not sure. I'll come at nighttime. Maybe some of us feel like that. Do you feel around Jesus just ashamed? Or have you got to the point of this leper of just, I'm just desperate for him because I've understood my need. See, the second thing about this guy is his awareness of himself and his awareness of who he's talking to. He's come to the point of profound, genuine, true, deep self-awareness and God-awareness at the same time. Self-awareness and God-awareness, they actually tend to go together. In fact, you can't really know yourself outside of getting to know, the God, to know God. Not really. You can't really know who you are outside of also first knowing who God is. And, strangely enough, vice versa. You can't really know God outside of a true knowledge of yourself. You know, the world is full of people who are on a journey trying to discover themselves, trying to define themselves, you know, going backpacking or gap year or whatever journeys, whatever spiritual trip. You're just finding yourself. I got to find myself. I got to get in touch with myself. Jesus would say to you, you won't find yourself outside of a knowledge of the one who's made you. You need to find God to find yourself, and you need to find yourself to find God. The two kinds of knowledge, they only, co they only exist in coexistence. You can't do one without the other. And this man, aware of his dreadful need, his uncleanness that is so overwhelming, he's prepared to make a scene. He's prepared to approach the apparently unapproachable. And it's because he's given up on falsely based attempts to improve himself. I'm sure that for many years he's tried all kinds of things to sort out his condition, to sort out, uh, sort out his, his, his symptoms. And many of us, we stay in that cycle for years and years. We're committed to sorting ourselves out, to cleaning ourselves up, 
Clean up your life. Clean up your mind. Clean up your decision making. Clean up your room. Clean up, you know, improve yourself. Sort yourself out. And good. That's a good thing. And I would agree with, with, with the emphasis that many have found in our day of recovering a sense of personal responsibility. And stop blaming everyone else. And, and just blaming it on my parents or, or my teachers or blaming this system or that structure or, 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 or that institution. No, no. Taking responsi- personal responsibility, seeing yourself as a responsible agent. Good. But here's the problem. You can, you can discover your sense of responsibility and then within time, days, weeks, months, years, eventually, you'll see that you've only made yourself another burden. Because however much you can take responsibility for yourself, you cannot clean yourself. You cannot. You cannot. This leper, he gets it. You can make me clean, he says to Jesus. Only you. If you like, he sees himself and he sees his God and he sees this man, Jesus, as God. I'm convinced of, of that. It even suggests that in the way it says he came and he bowed before him. He knelt before him. In some translations, it says he worshiped him. It's an expression of worship. This leper is seeing something. He knows you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You are the God who, 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 who broke the sea open so we could cross over. You are the God who thundered out the commandments at Sinai. You are the God that, that healed Naaman the leper. You are the God who rescued his people from slavery. You're our God. And you are walking in flesh amongst us. If anyone can cleanse me, you can. You can. He's seeing God for who he is. Have you come to that point? Listen, it doesn't take a degree. It doesn't take expertise. It doesn't take sounding clever. There are plenty of people. There were, there were plenty of people then in this time and plenty of people now who sound so clever, but they don't know God and they don't know themselves. They're, they're blind. They're as blind as the Pharisees, just blindly doling out their opinions, blindly doling out their ideas, ignorant of the true God, but the leper gets it. He sees there's a real God and I desperately need him. And there's a desperate need in me. I must be cleansed. Have you got to that point of seeing your need? If you keep living as though you can cleanse yourself, you can make yourself clean, you can improve yourself, you can change yourself, then I'm afraid you haven't understood yourself and you haven't understood God. Follow this man's example. Look for the awareness that God alone can give to you. And then the third thing I notice about this leper is that he comes to Jesus with worshipful trust, with reverent trust. So we said the first thing we we see in him is his humble desperation. The second thing we, we see in him is his awareness of God his, and his awareness of himself. The th- third thing is his worshipful trust. You see that in what he says. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. 
He speaks the word if. If you will, you can make me clean. I know you can. I know what kind of God you are. You can do this. You split the Red Sea. You can make me clean. You heal lepers through the Bible. You can make me, you can. You see, the leper knows that Jesus is able to heal. The leper, leper doesn't, doesn't question Jesus' ability or power. He knows that Jesus is able to heal. The issue becomes what the, lep- becomes, becomes what the leper doesn't know. Is Jesus willing to heal him? He's being really honest. He says, I, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know. I don't know for sure how you will respond to me right now. But I still know that you are good. I still call you Lord. I still kneel before you. He's a worshiper. Life is really about learning to worship. It's about learning to treat God as God. It's it's about learning to be content in trusting him. We make our requests. We ask him. We say, if you will, do this. Do this. And we can plead and we can ask and we can cry out and call on him. And this leper, listen, he is definitely crying out. He's desperate. He's definitely asking. He's a big asker. He is coming in front of maybe thousands of people and making a fuss and crying out. He really wants to be healed. And maybe you do. Maybe you really want God to do something for you. And you've prayed about it for ages. You've longed for something. You want something. You're crying out to God for something for you. But a worshiper is someone who still at the end remembers who God is. Says, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know. But I know that you are good. And I know that you are God. I bow down to you. In the mystery, I bow down to you. I bow down. Do you you bow down to God in mysteries? When you don't understand, when you don't know what to expect, when you don't know what the outcome will be. Are you learning to bow down at those times and still call him Lord? See, it reminds me of the men who, who... wouldn't bow down in Daniel chapter 3. Um, they're told to bow down to the king in Babylon, and, and they won't. They won't bow down to the false image. They won't bow down uh, to the idol. And, and they say when they're being threatened with uh, incineration in the furnace, if you don't bow down, you will be burned alive in this furnace. And they say, our God will protect us from the flames of the furnace. But we want you to know that even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down to you. What is going on there? See, I I would be a bit like, well, let's just see. You know, I think think I'm not going to bow down to you, but I'm just going to put my foot in to see if he, you know, if it gets burnt off, then I'll come back and I'll bow down to you because he doesn't work. You know, worshiping God doesn't work. No. A worshiper worships God when it doesn't work. Worship God, worships God when it does work. Worships God because he, he's God. 
learns that God is good, trusts that God is good, and waits in that place of mystery, says, if I get burnt or if I get delivered, I trust you. I worship you. I believe he will deliver us from the flame. I believe the leper was expecting to be healed. You can have that. You can say, God, I, I, I really believe you will heal me. Amen. Believe that he is a healer. He loves to heal. He's good. This leper, I'm sure, was pretty confident, but he's still a worshiper in the end. He's a worshiper. Have you learned to say, God, in the end, my trust is in you ultimately. I want you. I worship you. And remember this before we finish. This is the thing. Jesus does respond. I mean, how beautiful is Jesus' response? I am willing. Be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, when you first read that, it sounds perhaps a little trivial. Um, like Jesus is kind of just, you know, stroking his beard and saying, you know, I, I think I will. I, I like your face. You, you've, you're a pretty nice guy. I've met some lepers. You're, you're one of the better lepers I've met. You know, we'll say yes today. I'm in a good mood. It's been a, a good day. The sermon went well back on the mountain there. I, I think we'd all agree it went well. It, you know, the day's going well. The, ni- the weather's nice. And the camels are all, you know, parked outside. And I'm like, yes, every, yeah. I think I'll heal you. Be healed. Be clean. Now, that would perhaps fit the kind of understanding we would have of a kind of magic Jesus. This kind of magic figure who just waves a magic wand and I feel like healing you today and I don't feel like it. You know, as if it's just a flick of the wrist. As if, you know, he's just kind of showing off. And if we have that notion, that idea, we miss the whole point. Why was Jesus willing to to make this man clean? Well, actually, in Mark's account of this same miracle, he says Jesus was filled with compassion for this man. This leper, he's full of impurity, full of uncleanness, full of leprosy. And Jesus, his compassion corresponds to the level of the leper's corruption. He is full of compassion for him. And so Jesus stretches out his hand and he touches him. And I think the touch of Jesus' hand was, was astonishing to this leper. You see, he believed that Jesus could make him clean, but he did not dream that Jesus would touch him. He dared to hope that this healer would cure him, but he dared not hope Jesus would place his warm human hands upon his wretched skin. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. It communicates something. Jesus is showing us what God has done. Jesus stretches out a human hand. When Jesus says, I will, I am willing, it's not just willing to do a magic trick. He just feels like it. No, It cost him everything. He's stretching out a human hand. God the eternal became flesh so that he could touch us in the place of our greatest need. So that he could become one of us. He could not heal that which he did not assume. 
Jesus joins us in our humanity. Jesus reaches out to us in our brokenness, touches us in our need. In the likeness of sinful flesh, the Son of God has come into the world to share our shame, to share our brokenness, to share even our uncleanness. Yeah, even that. See, what Jesus is doing by touching the leper is in one sense unthinkable. I mean, it's terrifying. The one thing you should not do is touch a leper. I mean, everyone's probably terrified. What's going to happen? I mean, Jesus has just preached the best sermon ever, and now he's going to shrivel up and die. He's touched a leper. This is horrifying. But now he doesn't shrivel up and die. In fact, the opposite happens. The leper is cleansed. It used to be that, that, that if the filthy and the unclean touches the, the clean, then the whole thing becomes unclean and is ruined. The, the, the fear was that uncleanness would come in. We would lose God. But in this case, the contact works in reverse. The clean touches the unclean, and the unclean becomes clean. H- how could this be? Why doesn't Jesus shrivel up and die? Why doesn't Jesus become unclean and covered in shame and spiritual decay and death? Well, he does. Just not that day. He does. He does later, in time. The hour came. The hour came, he said, the hour has come. And he became unclean on the cross. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, the one who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus who knew no sin, he became sin. Do you understand that Jesus, when he was on the cross, He was plunged into darkness. He was sent out like the lepers would have been sent out. Covered in shame, stripped naked outside the city. Sent him out into the dark. Plunged into terrible darkness. He cried out on the cross. Matthew says in chapter 27, My God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you you abandoned me? He was like a leper, abandoned, cut off from the land of the living. Cut off. So that you and I could be drawn in. So that the lepers, the true lepers, uh, me and you, the, the spiritually unclean, could become clean. Because he touches us. He takes our filth upon himself so that we could receive his cleanness. Have, have you understood this? Have you understood the power of Jesus to cleanse you? Or are you still trying to cleanse yourself? I had the story of some folks on, who were on doing some mission work in Hong Kong who on one occasion were praying for a drug addict, an ex-drug addict in Hong Kong. And they felt they wanted to wash his feet. They said to him, well, Jesus washed people's feet. We're going to wash your feet just to show, you our, just to show our love for you. And the man said, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom first. And so the the guy goes to the bathroom, but he doesn't come back. And so so they went to find him. And they find him in the bathroom washing, scrubbing his feet. 
And they said, why are you doing that? We said we would wash your feet. Why are you doing it? He said, well, I wanted to just clean them up a bit first. They're so filthy. I just wanted to clean them first so that, that you wouldn't see them at their worst. Then I thought you could clean them. And that's what we're like, isn't it? We do that with God. We say, I, I've got to get myself clean. I've got to make myself better. Then you can see me doesn't work like that. Come to him as you are, with your uncleanness, with your leprosy. Come to him as you are, and trust that his power to cleanse is like no one else's. He touches us at our place of most need, most filth. And on the cross, he took it on himself, and he rose righteous, cleansed forever and ever. And you can rise with him, healed inwardly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the healing of this man, of this leper. The Lord Jesus went where others would not go, where others could not go. And he touched and he healed and he restored. Oh, may we know the depths he entered and the shame that he carried to also rescue and redeem our lives. Remind us again of his great compassion and love toward us as we again celebrate and come to the table that has been set for us, this table that celebrates all that the Lord Jesus has done for us. Thank you for the joy that we are now invited into, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen.